Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like being jealous of our partner's friends, being terrified of seeing our exes, (laughs) and getting over a month-long fling. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners or relationship advice givers. Mm-mm. No one has accredited us or offered Mm-mm. us any certificates. If you would like to, let us know. <laughs> yeah. As long as I'll it involves it. no additional work. <laughs> I'll put it on my fridge with a gold <laughs> Absolutely. star. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. This is all to say we are not professionals. We are two Gemini English majors. And I know that I have uh, turned off at least half of you by saying that right there. <laughs> But please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Before we start this week's episode, we want to shout out a couple of our amazing patrons who made this week's episode possible. Thank you to Halo Will. Thank you so much to Erica Barcombe. Thank you to Sarah Leiber. Thank you, Kyle Durand. Thank you to Sophia Arnell. Thank you to Jenny Thomas. And thank you so much to Nicholas Olinchu. The support of our patrons makes this podcast possible. So thank you so much to all of you. So this week's check-in topic is actually inspired by like a really old letter. <laughs> um, Love we it. went We went back to our January letters to pull out this, pa- this um, letter writer and... Um, I'll just paraphrase it really quickly. Liz B, who's writing from the kitchen table, basically was like, how do you guys deal with the annoying little habits of your significant others? Um, This person's been with their boyfriend for two and a half years. And all of a sudden, um, at the one year mark, they wrote, I started noticing how loud he chews and how loud he breathes, how often he gets a bat in the cave, uh, how Mm. heavy footed uh, he is, blah, 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 blah. Um, They also go on to write like that they're more attracted to them. to to their boyfriend more than ever, you know, and that they're sure that they have those annoying little habits. But like, is this specifically, they ask, is this something all people in couples have to deal with um, and have to expect to deal with in long-term or lifelong relationships when they commit to somebody? Mm. So summarizing, like, how do we deal with our partner's annoying little habits that aren't necessarily things that... um, we can comment upon. For example, I asked uh, my wife Willow about this this morning and she asked me for an example and she thought I was going to say something about, we have like a drawer in our house filled with Tupperware (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) with the lids mm -hmm. and the, and the bottoms. And I live in a reality in which I wish my wife would put the lids on the Tupperware (laughs) so that I don't have to root around and find it. But I wouldn't consider, she thought that's what I was going to say, but I wouldn't actually consider that like in this realm because that's Mm -hmm. something that I could literally say, Hey honey, it would make me really happy if you could support me in this way. Whereas like, I'm not going to be like, honey, stop breathing so loud. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, so, so the question is, how do you deal with your partner's unchangeable little annoying traits? How about that? You know, not unchangeable, Mm -hmm. but more, less critiquable. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's like, they can't, they can't really change how they chew. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Well, I think first of all, like, I'll say, you know, you ask like, is this something that everyone has to deal with? And it's like, yeah, 
oh, yeah. um, b- being in human with like in partnership with another human is like, yeah, you have to listen to them breathe. Like, yeah. and it is annoying <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Hysterical. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think it's it's sort of getting used to that. The other thing that I'll say too is like recognizing the fact that um this isn't unique to your partner right like i think especially in like quarantine where we all have like only been with like one person all the time it's easy to be like oh why does this person chew that way but in reality it's like everyone chews annoyingly like yeah you like the sound of people chewing is like there's something about it that like gets on your nerves but it's not unique to your partner like it's not like your partner is the unique awful chewer right and we all get boogers like everyone gets boogers too right right? like these are all just like human things right (laughs) exactly and so like trying to like not assign it as like a thing your partner does and more of like a like a oh this is just a thing that humans do that's annoying might make it easier for you to like put up with it and i think about it i echo sam's sentiments in terms of like this is yes this is something that is part of particularly those long-term relationships because when you're with somebody for a long time, those, the guards go down, you know, your behaviors become more relaxed, et cetera. You know, you are at ease with your partner. So you're going to exhibit some of those more ungraceful human attributes. Uh, Uh But for me, it's also about shifting the mentality away from, it's not, perfection that makes relationships work. It's not even, I would say, all about love that makes relationships work. It's about finding people who tolerate our weirdness and our humanness. <laughs> and like uh-huh. think about how weird our bodies are and how weird all humans are and how much money and time and energy we put towards pretending that we're not weird, disgusting, like flesh sacks, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Mm -hmm. have these systems of operations that like function in all different ways, like breathing and boogers and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you shift your thinking away from like, number one, I want to validate like, yeah, it's people can have hella annoying things and we can't necessarily control what annoys us, but putting it in perspective and saying like, I am weird and annoying too, or I'm probably gross or, you know, putting those things in perspective, like you're not going to leave your man because he breathes loudly. You can be like, dang, you, uh, you man. can, but just like <laughs> FYI, all men breathe. So like, yeah. if you're not, if you're not going to find a man who doesn't breathe, like <laughs> not all men, Sam, not all men. <laughs> Right. They all chew, too. They all get boogers. Like, it's just (laughs) if that's your standard, then like you're never going to find happiness because like everyone breathes, chews and gets boogers. Like, it's just a reality. (laughs) We've already said like 15 gold titles for this episode. All right. Uh, So that's our check in topic. I feel like I feel like we covered it. But uh, like normalizing that annoyance, like you're never going to have a partner that you're not mildly annoyed by (laughs) yeah and i think the point it's not again it's not one of those things where it's like you don't you don't need to stop the annoyance right like the annoyance is always going to come up it's just again what we choose to do with the annoyance when it is like happening so like what are you talking what are you saying to yourself how are you relaxing and breathing through it and being like everyone breathes like yeah i need need this man to breathe because i love him and want him in my life (laughs) i love this (laughs) yeah Right. Because like you're not a bad person for being annoyed by it either. Right. So you don't need to you don't need to stop that from happening. But but how you respond to what's coming up within you is really the important part. But I would also 
also just add like maybe like a fair warning for those people who are in these sorts of long-term relationships um, that we are more susceptible to those annoyances, you know, mm-hmm. like our, our grievances become, um, for example, you would never go on like a second date with like the man of your dreams and be like, oh my God, this motherfucker is breathing so loud. And you wouldn't say something <laughs> rude to him about it, but yeah. in a longer relationship or like after you've been together for a couple months or a couple of years, those, those barriers are down, you feel more comfortable and you feel like you have the right or like there's something mentally that happens that we are ruder <laughs> to our loved mm-hmm. ones for a long you know, of a long time than we are to like new people that or like strangers on the street. So just like fair warning to, or like just like, I guess, pointing that out to us. Um, Sam's totally right. We're allowed to feel those annoyances. Um, but to act on them, make sure that we're being com- kind and compassionate to the people who have. Mm-hmm. Who have who have been around, who have supported us, who, you know, I think that's like a whole other check and topic. Like, why are we the meanest to the people we love the most? <laughs> uh, but because we I mean, can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll check in about that another time anyway. Uh, so thanks for writing and checking in with us like a fucking several months ago, Liz. Hope this helps. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you didn't break up with your boyfriend because he breathes too loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our letters. All right. Our first letter comes from Lynn, who's writing from The Void. My boyfriend and I met while it was his junior year of college in my senior year. I had no idea that this boy I'd met on Tinder and texted for a total of three days before I invited him over to watch a movie would become my first love. At 22 years old, I had never been in a relationship. I had just had my first kiss a few months before meeting him on a wild study abroad adventure. That's another story entirely. (laughs) Ha ha. I say I love that to try and get across just how different he was. We've been together for almost two years now, and while more than 95% of the time I'm on cloud nine and can't believe how lucky I am, there are also moments I look at him and think, how are we even together? I can admit that I can be very dramatic. I am also very outspoken, which is the exact opposite of my boyfriend. The only issue we ever had in the relationship around revolves around his friendship with two other girls. Before he met me, his college friend group was a mixture of guys and girls. He was in a fraternity, which I try to overlook all the time because he really is so much more than that identity stereotype. Although he had nights out with his boys, he really has never had a best friend until me, so he says. There are times that I can recognize that in him. He's not used to someone caring about him so much. At first, when we started dating, I had a very hard time whenever we would be texting while I was at work. Since I'm a year older, I had entered the riveting world of nine of working a nine-to-five law firm. He, on the other hand, still in school, had a lot more free time during the day than I did. It's very embarrassing to admit that I could feel my hands shake after reading a message from him saying, oh, I'm just out having lunch and drinks with Vanessa, or I'm over at Rachel's and we're putting a puzzle together. Remember that I have never been in a relationship, so those feelings of jealousy were very new to me. At first, I tried not to overthink, but there would be times where after I've gotten out of work at five, he tells me that he'll come over to hang out after him and Vanessa, quote, finish this movie real quick. With my personality, I couldn't hold it in very long, and I confronted him with my feelings. I told him that now that we were in a relationship, it made me feel uncomfortable to know he was choosing to spend time with another girl alone. He tried to reassure me, but I knew we just weren't on the same page. Before we had ever officially started dating, he would tell me that he was either with Vanessa or Rachel, and it would upset me, but I didn't 
but I knew I didn't have the right to admit that it made me feel weird. He was very honest with me and admitted that when he first got to college, he had a slight crush on Vanessa, but the more he got to know her, the more annoying she became, and he knew that's not what he wanted. Honestly, I think that this is the biggest struggle, knowing that he once had those feelings. But it has now been almost six years since that, and they've remained friends with no sexual encounters ever, even while blasted drunk. In the pandemic, we have become even closer, almost to a sickening point. I can feel myself dependent on him emotionally, just because his energy and his smile is infectious. He really is a pure, genuine, and nice guy, but for some reason, that makes me almost worry more about how he interacts with his female friends. Now that people are getting vaccinated, the weather is warmer. Not only have I been getting together with more friends, so has he. For months, I didn't hear the name uh, Vanessa or Rachel. It was just me and my boyfriend in our perfect little bubble. Now I've found myself back in into a familiar position where I'll be at work and he casually drops the news that he's out at a dog bar with Vanessa or another mutual friend of theirs. And just last week, what he went is over- a dog bar? Because yeah, I got to right? go to that. <laughs> I know. It sounds amazing. Is that like a cat cafe? But there's dogs. Yeah. And beer or whatever. Yeah, love it. I <laughs> need to, to interrupt be there. you, but that was like a crucial, <laughs> crucial question for me. And just last week, he went over to her house to watch a basketball game on TV. Yeah, there was another guy there, but it made me feel sick knowing, hey, here I am finally off work and you decide to be at her house. Am I overreacting? Do I have a right to tell him that his friendship with those girls make me feel very uncomfortable? Is it unfair of me to assume that just because we are dating that he can't hang out with another with other girls alone? There's just a lot of history here with his friendships between Vanessa and Rachel. Before me, they were the girls who asked how his family was or what he was doing lately or taking him out to brunch on his birthday. I can't tell if I have the right to feel this way or if this being my first relationship, I am just very insecure. Help, please. I'm driving myself crazy wondering if my overreactions are just going to make him want to be around them more. I'm also driving myself crazy, wondering if this is normal. If the roles were reversed, I'm sure I'd have a problem with him not wanting me to be around certain friends the way I used to be. But the thing is, he is always my first choice. I would never put him in the position to feel this way, and I think that's what hurts the most. I love him, I truly do, but the amount of energy worrying about how he really feels about Vanessa or Rachel and wondering how they interact when I'm not around is making me spiral. I'm not sure what my question is exactly. I just needed someone to tell me if I'm being absolutely batshit crazy and I'm on the verge of ruining something great, or if I'm justified in feeling weird about his friendships with those girls. Hmm. All right, Lynn, thank you so much for writing and for listening to the podcast. I'm sorry you're feeling so stressed and anxious about this um, dynamic in your relationship. It feels, I can feel your anxiety and I can feel you like waffling and staying up at night about this. And I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. Mm, Yeah, me too. It Um, can be really intense to have these feelings of jealousy or anxiety about things and feel like there's so much that's outside of our control. And that like, and that also that feeling of like sort of even lacking an understanding of like, am I being ridiculous or mm -hmm. is this legitimate? Like that feeling is so, um, hard to to deal with and like if you talk to my therapist he would tell you how much i struggle with that too so like <laughs> um i think i want to start by saying um jealousy is incredibly common huh? i also read somewhere recently that jealousy is a feeling not a not a state of being like it's not a personality trait it's not like i am jealous it's I feel jealous. And I think that that was just like an interesting distinction for me. Um, 
to remember that, you know, we can't always control our feelings, but we can change the way we respond to them. And slowly mm-hmm. over time, we can re you know, we can attempt to reprogram some of those feelings or get to the root mm-hmm. of them or whatever. Um, I say all of this to say like jealousy is really hard. I, I know what you're struggling with right now and I know how confusing and conflicting um, and, and how it can, I feel like it's soul and time and energy sucking. Even when you know consciously, like I don't want to spend my energy here. It like takes you somewhere else and it takes, you know what it is, Sam? It's like happiness stealing because you mm-hmm. know what, Lynn, this, this relationship sounds happy, but this, these feelings of jealousy are stealing the joy from, from your relationship because it's saying, no, 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 pay attention to me. Pay attention to what I'm afraid of. Feed mm-hmm. me, the jealousy monster, not feed, um, you know, trust, stability, um, appreciation for what you have right now, things like that. Anyway, long-winded thing that I want to get to is that please know that I have great empathy and understanding for where and how these feelings are manifesting. But I am going to lean on you a little. I am going to give you a little tough love, like love push, um, (laughs) you know, like love tap. Um, Yeah, my favorite, my favorite types of pushes are love pushes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To be, uh, to start looking at these feelings of jealousy as, as um, something that is fogging your vision for what the for the goodness that you do have. I couldn't Mm -hmm. help but notice in this letter repeatedly, you tell me how sweet, kind, genuine um, your boyfriend is, how much you love this relationship. um, What a good guy your boyfriend is. And also reading between the lines, how he has never lied to you about who he was hanging out with, how he Mm -hmm. never um, was shady about hanging out with these friends of his, these And another thing I want to point out, these friends that sound like good friends, friends who celebrate his birthday, ask about his family. That sounds like a good friend to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what jealousy does. That's what these anxious feelings of insecurity do is they steal this goodness from you. Um, Mm -hmm. Because what would you rather he say? Oh, I'm out right now. I'll be home soon. Would like would he would you rather he leave out who he's hanging out with or even deeper? Would you rather your boyfriend didn't have friends? Um, right. And I know that sounds really like pointed. And I, please know that I I empathize greatly with you. And I'm compassionate for folks, including myself, who have struggled with jealousy um, mm-hmm. in the past or in the present. Um, but I'm also like, you know, looking at my own jealousy. I'm frustrated by it because, you know, societally, I think it's glamorized as a sign of love or like a sign of intensity and passion and even sometimes intuition. Like, oh, no, no, I wouldn't feel jealous if something wasn't wrong. Well, that's right. not true. <laughs> right. Um, yep. But it also reinforces for me what I've had to call out in myself, Lynn, is that my jealousy reinforces two things. It reinforces the idea that my partner is best controlled and possessed by me, like and yeah. as though that would keep me from being hurt, you know, right. that if I control who my partner hangs out with, then I can control how they treat me and love me and see me, you know, mm-hmm. which is a lie. Because if I think about the universe and the world and the balance of love and life, I want my partner to have friends and I want my partner to be their own free autonomous person. But it also reinforces the second thing, which is the inner voice in my head that will 
always tell me, or has at least until this point in my life, always told told me that I'm not good enough to be loved. Mm. And um, how could I ever trust my partner not to leave me because they will always leave me because I'm not good enough. You know, like it right. reinforces right. those two narratives, those two narratives that are I inherently disagree with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's the sad part for me. Like the part of jealousy that that breaks my heart the most is that it really is about insecurity. It's about thinking like, oh, I'm not good enough for this person to stay with. Um, and like the fact is, is that like if your partner cheats on you, that doesn't say anything about you too, right? Like it Boom. doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're any worthy, less worthy of being loved or being or having a partner who's faithful to you, right? Like it says, it doesn't say anything about you. It says everything about the the partner, right? And like what your partner is doing. But, um, and that's what, I think that's what, um, gives me a lot of empathy for people who feel a lot of jealousy is that it's like, I think it's just so rooted in like a, a deep insecurity and a deep feeling of like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like I'm right. so easily dismissed and, un and so easy to not love that like, I have to keep my partner away from other people because then he's going to find out how much better those people are than I am. Totally. Um, and that's, that's a, that is a really heartbreaking place to be. Um, and so I definitely have empathy for it. And also, right, I think that I want to be clear with you too, Lynn, that like your boyfriend is allowed to have friends that aren't you. Your boyfriend is allowed to hang out with those friends in ways that he see fits. Your boyfriend is not allowed to cheat on you, right? Like mm -hmm. your boyfriend is not allowed to be unfaithful to you. But those are two different conversations that we're having there. Those are two different um, things. <laughs> absolutely. They're they're completely different. And I think what I'm reading from your letter, too, is like not just feelings of jealousy, but maybe some feelings of like codependency as well, where it's like, I want him to pick me first always. I always pick him first. Like, that's how relationships should function. And the reality is, is like he is picking you first, right? Because he is dating you. He has chosen that he wants to spend the most time with you, right? He is He's the one that's going to he has chosen you to be the one he's going to be most intimate with and most vulnerable with. But that doesn't mean that he can't have other things that also fill him up, mm -hmm. right? Just because he's choosing you first doesn't mean he chooses only you. Mm. He gets to have friends, right? He gets to have other people in his life. And he gets to sometimes say, I'm going to hang out with Rachel because we're like hanging out right now and I'll meet you up later, right? Because... The important thing in this is that he's choosing you first. He's not only choosing you. And mm. when we get into those conversations where like, oh, you're only you're only allowed to choose me. That's when suddenly we have like entered into relationships that aren't serving us because they're isolating us from other types of support that we need and calling on us as partners in those relationships to be everything. Mm. Right. You want you want him to have friends that are able to help him in ways that you might not be able to help him or and I know that's hard to hear because I know that that like folks in relationship are like no I want to be everything I like yeah. want to be the one How that like dare you <laughs> tell right? me exactly no yeah. I was like no I feel that's I, so hard I, I know I saw your face like <laughs> no I, I I was like my face reacted because this is why y'all should support the patreon <laughs> to see my facial reactions um my face responded because that's so on point, you know, there's a deep wound in me that is like, you know, like fingered. I wish I could think of a better word right there. <laughs> there's a deep wound. <laughs> now I wish you guys could see Sam's face. There's a deep wound in me that is poked. How about that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When I think that I can't be everything for my partners and that 
that wound is only healed if I stop and I think, well, that's a really high expectation to put on myself. And second thing, my partner, my wife can love me better. Like she's literally a better partner when she has a wider, healthy support system because she can Mm -hmm. give me her best. She can, um, you know, she processes things with her friends and then, and then comes to me with her best, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but that is a, that is a wound in me that I have constantly had to nurture so that I don't find my, so that I don't foster these, these really hurtful narratives in my relationship. Um, and mm-hmm. Lynn, I just want to say yet, I, I reiterate again that like, damn, do I not know this feeling? Because mm. another thing is it's, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you see an insecurity, once you feel that, that jealousy pop up, then all of a sudden you can see that narrative reinforced everywhere. Like the phrase you, you, that Sam pointed out um, just a couple minutes ago that you always choose him first. And like, it hurts you that he doesn't choose you first. Like that is such an impossible equation that Mm -hmm. you're asking him or like an impossible test that you're asking him to pass because you don't choose him first all the time. You, and I don't, that's not a read. That's just reality. You have to choose your job. You have to choose, you know, you choose yourself, Mm -hmm. your family, your friends, your boyfriend. You might, have more codependent um, coping mechanisms like I do. Like I, when something's wrong, I immediately call my spouse. You know, I don't call mm-hmm. Sam first. No offense, <laughs> but um, <laughs> <Legit>. <laughs> but um, you're basically that that standard that you're asking him to live up to is not a it's not a realistic standard. It's not a standard that even exists in your life, even if you think it does. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely it makes sense there's no way there's no way to pick your partner first every time unless you are like living and think about in, it the like, other a way commune just... with each other right like where you're like growing all your own food and you're literally doing everything together at the same time um you pointed out like if the roles were reversed and you were how about this let me paint you the picture that you already know exists and I, and this is said with a lot of compassion because this is literally lynn this is how i talk sanity into my irrationality this is how Mm -hmm. i this is how i bring my irrational fears and insecurity into the world is i speak truth to them um so you you said it in your letter like i know if the roles were reversed i might feel frustrated you know or whatnot so imagine you're out um you have a friend that you've had for six years 10 years high school friend childhood friend whatever college friend you have had it for six years and you uh, you haven't um, seen each other in a couple months, but oh my God, COVID pandemic. Like, I can't believe we haven't seen each other in months. Like, what did you go through? Maybe they're, they lost a family member. Maybe they lost their job. Um, mm-hmm. And you want to go get a drink with them because it's like, oh my God, pandemic's done. We're vaccinated. Like, let's safely connect with people because we need it, you know? And then your boyfriend hits you up. You're not done with your drink. Your part, your, your not your partner, your friends in the middle of a story about something important in their lives. And your boyfriend texts you and says, hey, I'm off from work. Do you want to hang out? Are you going to say, yes, I'm not going to finish my drink. I'm going to cut my friend off and I'm going to leave. No, mm-hmm. you're going to say, cool, I'll, I'm going to meet up with you as soon as I'm done with my friend. That is like, mm-hmm. that is a logical, reasonable thing for you to do. And it is the same for your boyfriend. See, the... 
the thing about jealousy is it tells us so many lies. It tells us that in that moment, he looks at the text from you that says, I'm off from work. And he mentally thinks, nope, I'm going to choose Vanessa because she's hot and <laughs> and I want to flirt with her. And right, I don't want right. to hang out with my ball and chain. You know, I am mm-hmm. actively choosing it. No, it's not that story, even though our insecurities love to tell us this extreme version. Instead, he's connecting with a friend. He's having, you know, whatever. And he's going to connect with you later. Like that, that's what's happening here. And with, and with jealousy, it's not, it's not about not feeling jealous necessarily. It's about freeing ourselves from the implications of the jealousy, the lies that the jealousy tells us, um, Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be a prisoner to these thoughts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, doing some of those mental exercises might help you in those moments um, of like really asking yourself, like, what's the story I'm telling myself? And is that story? Do I know that story to be true? Right. Of like, he's choosing her over me. Is that a true story? Or is it like, or is there much more Mm, nuance and complication there? Right. And I also think that maybe one of the things that might help you is to like take some because it sounds like you want you're struggling with like wanting to control the circumstances that he's in. Right. As a ways to, as a way to keep your heart safe, um, which is a totally normal impulse. Right. Which is, I think, what a lot of us are struggling with. It, and have it is my with. number one unhealthy coping mechanism. And I will confess sure. that on the podcast. And so I wonder if there's a way that you can, instead of trying to control him, can offer yourself a little control by by saying, okay, I'm having these jealous feelings and what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose to trust him. I'm going to make the conscious choice to do this thing. And I have control over that, right? Like that's something that I can control is like whether or not I choose to trust him and like really sort of leaning into that that feeling that come, that takes us away from fear and into abundance, into um, those feelings of of happiness and and really trusting that things are going to be okay, and and you know being a good partner by saying like I'm going to trust this person because I love him. I know that he wouldn't do anything to hurt me intentionally. And a good partner trusts people. A good mm. partner will extend trust to their their loved one. Um, and really trying to lean into that aspect of it as opposed to trying to control things that are a hundred percent outside of your control. And if something does happen, like in in any relationship, if somebody cheats on you, if somebody breaks up with you, it's never because you didn't control the situation enough. You, mm-hmm. It's 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 not like it's not like oh this happened because I let my boyfriend hang out with another woman. No, it happened because your boyfriend made the active choice to cheat on you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like there's 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 a clear discernment in that discernment sure um of the of the the things that are happening to me when i when i think about it in that way Mm. yeah no that's true i mean the reality is is that we cannot control what anyone else does ever like literally it's impossible we can only control ourselves and how the actions we take the decisions we make um and so yeah you can't control your your partner into not breaking up with you (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's just not a reality totally He is a fully autonomous human being who gets to make his own choices. And I know that that can be hard to sort of to grapple with, like the reality of like we have so little control over so many things, but sort of living in that and sort of leaning into that lack of control frees us from trying to do things that are are impossible, which is trying to keep your boyfriend from trying to control your boyfriend into never making a mistake or not breaking up with you. Right. Yeah. That's just... 
it sucks, but like that's just yeah. the world. <laughs> well, I, and I want to give you one more tool or one more perspective that will help hopefully help you in um, processing or healing from some of these feelings. Because, hey, like yet again, I want to reiterate, it is hard to feel like anxiety is a hard thing to carry. Jealousy is a mm-hmm. hard thing to carry. Um, I feel for you. Uh, something else I want to unpack really quickly um, before we move on is just the fact the upsetting fact that your partner has had crushes on other people. Mm. And that is not something that you can prevent. You cannot, unless you like unpack your boyfriend from a manufacturing box and, and boot him up for the first time, your boyfriend has had a crush on somebody else in life. Mm. Most likely someone that he might interact with again. Think about crushes again, flip the script. Think about crushes you've had in your life and how they've gone away, how they've been fluid, how they've been meaningless, how they've led to relationships or not. Like that is a part of the human experience. And if we if we stop expecting our partners to be a sort of, you know, it, it, I think it comes a lot from like rom-coms and um, depictions of romance that we see in the media. Because once we stop expecting our partners to be this like generic character from a love story and actually allow them to be humans that are as complicated and nuanced um, with histories like we have, then Mm -hmm. we stop having unrealistic expectations for them. This all Mm -hmm. being said, I, I know that there are people out there listening and saying like, well, I was really jelly jealous once. And then I found out he was cheating on me. Well, yeah, (laughs) you know, like sometimes, sometimes, our intuition is right or, or no, sometimes our insecurities turn into intuition. Right. But <laughs> I like I that. Think, yep. I think the more we move through life and move through relationships, we become more capable of discerning whether we are feeling jealous because of untrustworthy behavior, or mm-hmm. if we're feeling jealous because there's a deeper wound that's being fingered. <laughs> <laughs> That's called a callback. So, (laughs) you know, there's a deeper wound that is being activated that we need to nurture. Mm -hmm. You'll get better, Lynn, at discerning the difference between those two. And from what I can tell from what you shared, I mean, these are his friends. Don't you Mm -hmm. want, you know, and and this is part of head head and heart work is is really pushing through and saying, um, what do I need right now? Are my needs... um, how can I get my needs in the healthiest way? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, All right Lynn. Thank you so much for, for writing. Um, we know that it's hard to be feeling this way, but hopefully some of the things that we've talked about give you a little bit of peace. Um, but just know that you are you have the capability right now to practice that trust with your partner. Um, and I think that you'll find a lot of comfort and solace in, in making that active choice. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Lynn. We love you. Spring has sprung and summer is just around the corner. Packing your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy beach read. But wait, this year there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And get this, there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, 
Regency era historical fiction, my absolute favorite, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you will always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash justbreakup. Dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. All right, our next letter comes from a senior at Zoom University, alternatively, no longer naked, but still afraid. (laughs) That'll make sense in a second. Uh, Who is writing to us from just outside of my shower. Dear Sam and Sierra, I was taking a shower and suddenly got the intense and urgent desire to write a letter to you right now. So I conditioned my hair and I'm now writing while not in the shower, I promise. I'm a 20-something-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And you know that <laughs> conditioner has to sit. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm a 20-year-old, uh, year old, 20-something-year-old girl, woman, question mark? Got some Britney Spears vibes in that. <laughs> and experienced my first and only major relationship and heartbreak in early years of college. I have done plenty of head and heart work to get through this and understand that we were two people trying our best, that both of us had tendency to abuse slash be abused by the other, that we're all on a journey and not all journeys can be mine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My problem stems from this. I'm absolutely still terrified of my ex-boyfriend. I don't know that I would describe what happened in our relationship as capital T trauma or serious abuse, but there were definitely aspects of sexual and emotional abuse that I've tried to work through and understand. I don't think he would ever physically harm me, yet my body seems to have some kind of terror response to his existence, despite the several years that have passed since we dated. Before COVID hit, I planned my entire schedule at school around where he would be and how I could avoid him and plan for inevitably seeing him in passing. I planned the routes I would take to class around when and where I saw him walking around campus. I would hide in my class buildings until I was sure he would be in class elsewhere on campus so I could walk home. I would eat meals in my dorm room as much as possible or wait in the dining hall until I saw him come in so I could sneak out. Just before the pandemic, I learned that we would be moving into apartments that were right fucking next to each other, dead ass sharing a wall, and that he would be spending the break with his new girlfriend across the country. When the option came to come back to school in person or stay remote, I tried to move apartments, no luck, and ultimately decided to stay remote. Even now, several states away from where I know he physically is, I get anxious when I see his make or model of car and instinctively check to make sure it's not him. If I come across his name in print or hear someone with the same name, my stomach drops. I black black blocked him on everything just before deleting my social media entirely, although I haven't blocked him on LinkedIn because I can't get myself to type his name into the space bar. Who fucking uses LinkedIn anymore, though? Everyone. Says the fucking (laughs) self-employed podcast. So... All right. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Perfect example about, like, don't literally take my advice. (laughs) Once I... Literally, you go, everyone. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Once <laughs> once I saw someone who vaguely looked like him driving their sensible mid-sized sedan on the highway, and it freaked me out so much that I had to pull my car over and call a friend in order to calm down. 
Keep in mind that it was literally not him. It was physically impossible for it to be him. And I knew this and still pulled uh, pulled into some random grocery store parking lot and cried. I also got Starbucks, though. So in all in all, not a bad parking lot experience. <laughs> That's great. I love the silver lining there. <laughs> Here is my current dilemma. I'm about to graduate. It's looking more and more like my school is going to have an in-person graduation ceremony. And we're, while all of my friends are excited about this, I'm absolutely terrified. I get anxious just thinking about it and it's like my body goes into fight or flight mode i've been in therapy for years journaled worked with a psychiatrist exercised, tried meditating or whatever did a zoom ceremony with my friends where i burned cards and letters from him like a cute baby witch the whole crazy ex-girlfriend cigar but as it stands i'm planning to skip graduation in order to avoid seeing him again after over a year am i running away from my problems here i've come to terms with the fact that i've let knowing him ruined my entire college experience and that it's absolutely my fault at this point to have this problem. I have put a lot of work and time into healing and improving myself, but I was in such a bad headspace the last time I saw him that I was literally grateful for the pandemic that swept the nation and let me just hide indefinitely in my room. I'm curious to see if I'm able to see him and feel nothing or just less than nothing before. Although at this point, I just don't think that's going to be the case possibly ever. I'm even omitting as much identifying information in this letter as I can just on on the off chance that he somehow listens to this podcast and will ever realize I'm writing about him. I don't know that I have a clear question here. I'm just kind of freaking out. Thank you. A senior at Zoom University. Alternatively, no longer naked, but still afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Does does the name make sense now, everyone? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Did you get it? (laughs) All right. We'll call you senior. Senior, thank you so much for writing, for urgently stepping out of that shower, um, and for listening to the podcast and trusting us with this. Uh, It was almost hard to read the one sentence that was like, I know it's only my fault at this point. Um, it's just, mm. it's just wild. The, the hula hoops we will jump through to like blame ourselves, um, for our own coping mechanisms or, or whatnot, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just want to take a moment before we start like giving actual advice to list the things I have done to avoid my exes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can join in Sam. Okay. I have, uh-huh. Dropped out of classes. I have transferred schools. I have moved out of state. (laughs) I have closed a business (laughs) so that I would never have to work with this ex again. Like that there and, and that ex in particular, let me tell you just to like, I guess, normalize these feelings. Senior, there is nothing you could do. There's no amount of money you could pay me to make me want to be in a room with my ex again. I get anxious <laughs> just thinking about it, even though we live multiple states away, even though I'm married, even though like the possibility of it happening. I saw somebody with her hairstyle the other day and I like got sick to my stomach, even though like you said in this letter, senior, like even though I mentally know how the fuck we got into such a shitty relationship and how the fuck I got out of it, you know, like even though I've processed and healed from it so much, I just want to say that to like normalize or make space for um the crazy things we do to protect ourselves and 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 the impact that relationships can have on us long term and also Mm. just to say like there's i have no idea what sam's about to say but like i don't think there's anything wrong with skipping your graduation (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it. No, like you need to make the choices that that support you and keep you healthy and safe. And and if it's going to be a really traumatic experience for you to sort of see this person um, at your graduation, then like, no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you choosing not to to be there. Um, but I love that Sierra started with that because I was like, let's flip this script. This man should be terrified to see you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right? Like, love that. That's like, honestly, so Sierra's experience is that she's terrified of seeing her exes. I welcome it. I'm like, oh my God. yeah, You're let so- them cower in fear in front of me. Like, I don't know if that makes me sociopathic or something, but literally it's you like, you do look I have at nothing- yourself in Zoom. <laughs> I'm like, I, I know that like mistakes were made in this relationship, but also I know like I, in all of the relationships that I've been in, I understand like that, that there are elements of like abuse that, that make people like really afraid of people. And like, that is all a hundred percent legitimate. And like, I don't know what that feels like because I haven't experienced like an sort of really abusive relationship. I've experienced toxic relationships for sure, but like not. Not anything where I felt physically or even necessarily emotionally unsafe. But my thing is, like, at this point, I I know that I didn't do anything wrong in this relationship. I know that this person can't hurt me. And actually, it's like kind of a boss move to be like, hmm, cute. Cute. You want to avoid me? Oh, That's cute. fine. <laughs> um, I don't need to avoid you because, like, you have no power over me anymore. Congratulations. You're mm. over there now, and I'm over here living my life and, like, with all of my friends and graduating from fucking college. Congratulations on that, yeah. by the way. Like, yeah. that's awesome. I and do. I think, this is proof that Sam and I don't no. share our notes before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, like, I love it. But I, it's, it's also like, I can totally understand that your experience of it is completely different than mine and you mm. need to do different things. For me, it's like I need to empower myself by being like, this person has absolutely no control over me anymore. And guess what? If they come talk to me, I get to just walk away. Like, oh, isn't yeah. that exciting? Yeah. Like, they literally can't hold me in this pattern anymore. I have yes. broken free of it. And I get to decide. I am the person who gets to decide whether or not this person comes into my space. And so, like... Both of those things can be true at the same time, right? Like both of those can be ways to handle the situation. I think the very next thing I had in my notes, other than like following you're allowed to skip graduation is, Mm -hmm. however, and I think Mm. this is a, this is a really important uh, life mantra. Um, We are capable of being in the same room as someone who hurt us with, with Mm. someone who hurt us and Mm -hmm. not let them hurt us again. Like that is something like we are so resilient um, and we are so capable um, that sometimes our fear, our trauma, our anxiety undermines our own strength. Um, And that is, this is all to say, like it's obvious already from our answers that Sam and I are not saying like, put yourself in a place where you feel physically unsafe. We're not saying, you know, um, obviously that's, that's apparent from our point of view, but in this scenario, in a huge graduation ceremony, mm-hmm. I just want to, we both want to say explicitly um, to senior that you are, you are capable of being in that room and not letting his energy 
touch you, not letting the Mm -hmm. history, his ghosts, anything affect you. It might be Mm -hmm. challenging, but you can do hard things. So it just comes Mm -hmm. down to what feels best, what is going to honor your true self, your true desires. It's just, it's most important that you are true to what you want in this moment. Um, I think those sorts of, I've been in those situations. Um, I remember one in particularly, in one in particular that, uh, years ago, um, I was like seeing somebody who was like also seeing someone else, but I didn't really know it. But then I found like, we found out about each other and he ended up staying with me. I should have just been like, I don't actually want you. <laughs> um, but I had to be in the same room as this, the other woman or like whoever, it's not the other woman, like the player too. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, uh-huh. and, um, I was so anxious about it and, but I had to do it. It was like a contractual thing. And I remember building it up so much in my head and granted, this is not the same as like a unhealthy, toxic, potentially abusive relationship. But it, re- I think back on that time when I think about those moments that we really, um, We put on really intense pedestals energetically, emotionally, and it's not that they're not due that emotions, but I think they're particularly challenging because it feels impossible to emotionally prepare yourself for a situation that is marked by so much uncertainty and so much historical trauma. You know, they feel Mm -hmm. impossible to prepare for, but they're actually not. There are strategies that you can employ to give yourself the graduation ceremony experience that you deserve. Um, mm-hmm. So in, in equal parts, I want to say like, you can skip that graduation. You don't have to go to that. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that he's stealing something from you. It just means that you're making a choice that feels good to you. That's it. But you can also say, I'm not going to let you affect my decision-making anymore. And therefore right. I'm going to do this. One of the strategies that I really think that you should uh, employ if you decide to go forward with the graduation ceremony is ask your friends for help. Mm-hmm. Request your community to support you on this. How can they support mm-hmm. you? How can they keep you calm? How can they make you feel like emboldened? That motherfucker is not going to talk to you. And if he tries to, one of your friends will stop him. Or like Sam says, you turn around. You just say, no, walk away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think, um, I love all that. And, and I think one of the things that also say that helped me sort of get to this mindset of like, whatever, I don't need you to be around is that I actually had those situations happen, right? Like I actually was in situations where I had to see my awful ex and was able to like, just walk away from him when Mm -hmm. he tried to talk to me about things that I didn't want to talk about. Right. Like, the practice of actually doing it, like took it off that pedestal, like Sierra was saying, right. of of being like, oh, I am powerful. Like I mm-hmm. am, I do have this ability. I was afraid that he would get his like his claws into me and drag me back into like his weird way of thinking. But no, I was like, oh, I don't owe you anything anymore. Why am I still talking to you? And like literally walked away. <laughs> so yeah. like, I think that like sort of facing your fear in this might also be helpful too. Right. I think the other thing that I'll say too is that like our goal in life is not to always avoid situations that cause us anxiety or fear, right? Mm. Like it is not always our goal to live a life that doesn't have fear in it. Mm. Because like, because if that's the choice, then like you're going to miss your graduation. You're going to miss parties where he might be at. You're going to, you're going to miss 
your college experience, like moving back into that apartment. And I'm not saying you did anything wrong in those things, because like, honestly, living right next to my ex sounds like literal hell. So like, I can totally understand why you decided not to do that. Mm. But I think I think sometimes we get in this mindset of like, if I'm experiencing fear, I, that's a bad thing. Like something is is wrong and I, I need to I need to not be experiencing this anymore. But you cannot go through life without experiencing fear, without experiencing some sort of anxiety about things, right? And if our expectation of ourselves is that we never feel fear of anxiety, that's an un that's an unwinnable yes. thing. That is wow. absolutely impossible. And so that's a lot of pressure that you're yeah. putting on yourself to move through life and never experience fear over this man or never fear experience anxiety about him. Yeah. Right? Like, no, you're gonna you're gonna feel it. Our job as humans, as humans who are working towards, you know, sort of serving ourselves and others better is to is to figure out how to manage those things. Right. Is to figure out how to be in them and deal with them. Wow. Not necessarily to avoid them altogether. You ha- you're that statement alone has like just opened so many other conversations in my brain about like mm-hmm. resiliency, about healing um, and I, I mean, I think we could just talk about that idea exclusively for, for an hour, you know, <laughs> for sure. yeah. um, because it, because it is such an interesting thing to, to navigate. I mean, I just want to say explicitly that I agree with you 100% and also trying to find the dynamic between like nurturing your needs, protecting mm-hmm. yourself, healthy boundaries, boundaries that mean, no, I'm never going to see you again. Like it's just, yep. you just you opened the door to so many other interesting things. I think it's so spot on though, too, to say what we should make sure that we are nurturing when we are deciding how to cope with the, these anxiety inducing, potentially triggering experiences mm-hmm. is, am I nurturing my power? You know, am I, am right. I reminding myself that I'm strong and capable Mm. You know, and, and then second is my boundaries. You know, do I have to speak to this mm-hmm. person? Do I have to see that? You know, all of these things. But first is like, am I feeling powerful? And I think, senior, I think you were empowering yourself for a long time by creating a life in which you didn't have to deal with this person. That's empowering mm-hmm. in its own realm. But I say, I think Sam brings up a really powerful point. It's just that like, but in the, well, I don't know, because also, like, part of me was like, you're about to graduate. Like, you're never going to see this fucker again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, bye, bitch. Um, but uh, part of me thinks, too, is that, like, so, what? you know, maybe you go into um, a work field and you start dating a coworker and then that ends poorly. Do you never go back to work? Like, how are we mm-hmm. nurturing our power? How are we making ourselves um, equal? equally nurturing our wounds and making ourselves more resilient, um, honoring Mm -hmm. our strength, because that's another thing I think in our healing process, we, I'm not, I'm not saying like suck it up and, and pull up your bootstraps bullshit. You know, obviously I'm like the most emotional sappy person there is, (laughs) but I, I wonder if all that self-love healing work isn't just about saying like, I deserve gentleness. I just, I deserve nurturing. I, I want to feel safe, but also saying I am fucking strong. I can do mm-hmm. this. You know, mm-hmm. so much of my inner narrative is about nurturing what I see as my insecurities, my weaknesses. It's, it's very rarely saying things like I can do this. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot hurt mm. me like this. You cannot right. touch, you know, like so much of my self-love journey has been about this folding gentle, you know, like allowing myself to be weak or allowing myself to be vulnerable or allowing myself to do what I need to do to take care of myself. The narrative I tell myself is rarely like you are strong and you can do hard things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. You just totally un- uh, opened like so many thoughts in my brain. <laughs> no, I think that that's all of those things are, are so true. And it's a conversation that I think we don't always have of like, how are we how are we leaning into our own strength in this and like valuing that mm-hmm. as much as we value um our safety right right like and and both of those things can be, exist at the same time and it's yeah. just a testament to the fact that like everything is complication and nuance like everything always and it's it's hard to even read letters and be like i don't have a yeah, full context a direct, of what yep. this mm-hmm. relationship was like and if you are emotionally or physically unsafe by seeing this person right Right. i don't know you i don't know what it is to be in your body and have your experiences but i want to trust you i want to empower you to trust yourself in this in either saying like yep i'm not going to graduation because i know this is going to be a bad situation for me and i'm not interested in dealing with that right i'm not it's not worth it to do this but i also want you to feel like you are empowered to lean into your own strength and resiliency and say like fuck this guy. He's not going to ruin my graduation for me. He already ruined enough. Like it's my turn to take up space and that man can't touch me, can't be around me, like cannot, cannot impact me in any way. He is officially outside of my realm of, of contact, right? Like, and I think that there's something that's empowering about both those things, but I want you to be able to make that choice for Mm. yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And not just, not just sit in this idea of you are incapable of handling the fact that you might be in a room with him, mm. right? Like you, cause you are, you absolutely are. And also, I don't know if you want to do that. Yeah. I just want you to, I want you to make, I want you to make decisions knowing the full strength of you and mm. making decisions because of that. And not because you think that you're somehow incapable of being in the same room with this wow. man. Wow. I feel like I could chew on this conversation for like the next, the rest of the episode. <laughs> Um, But I think you I think you hit the nail on the head by saying, um, uh, senior, that this is going to be your choice, that there is no wrong choice, but you are Mm -hmm. infinitely. Well, I guess no, but you are infinitely capable of taking care of yourself in whatever way that best presents itself to you. Absolutely. We love you. Thanks for writing. Thank you so much. All right. Our next letter comes from Anthony, who is writing from the Midwest. Anthony writes, I'm 28. I would love your advice on a situation that stumped even my therapist to like, ooh. Oh, well. (laughs) All right. I'm glad that you trust us this much. I have this group of friends I play Among Us with. I know most of them in real life, but some I've only met through playing the game. One of them who lives on the East Coast happened to be in my area visiting family. I asked her out on a date and it went really well and we ended up making out in my car. We immediately had a connection. She's intellectual, goofy, beautiful, and hilarious. I knew she was only in town for the rest of the week, so I invited her to my place a couple days later. We hooked up, and she couldn't stay for long, so she left after that. We continued texting constantly, but I thought that was the end of that there. Then she texted me a couple of days later on her last full day here and said she didn't have any plans and wanted to see me again. 
Of course, I invited her back. We had sex again a couple times, but then spent a lot of the night just cuddling and talking. She told me she doesn't like the idea of being in a relationship with anyone because she likes being independent. She told me that I needed to stop doing slash saying cute shit because she didn't want to catch feelings. Thing is, she was definitely starting to catch feelings that night. She ended up staying the night and left in the morning to go back to the East Coast. After she left, we kept texting every day. I brought up the idea of maybe meeting halfway to see each other again, but she made it very clear that she didn't want to try long distance because she was convinced it wouldn't work and would just lead to pain. She still wanted to keep talking every day and said if we were ever in each other's area, we could hook up again. She liked to sext all the time and I engaged, but after a while, I said I didn't just want that. I wanted her to commit or nothing else. Mm -hmm. I didn't see a future of us being just friends. I figured trying to be just friends who hook up while we're around each other would be would lead to just as much work as a long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good insight. <laughs> we continued this ill-defined thing for a while, but I was feeling uneasy about the whole thing. I told her if the thing she was most worried about was minimizing pain, then the best thing to do would be to just stop talking to each other completely. Not friends, not friends with benefits, not in a relationship, just end it right then and there. A part of me was hoping she'd say she didn't want to stop talking. A couple days later, she called me and pretty much said, you're right, we should just stop talking. I know it was my idea, but shit, it hurt. She'd Mm. rather just stop talking than to give us a shot. At the end of our conversation, I said, so I guess this is goodbye, question mark. I heard her hesitate, and then I came up with a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you said it. (laughs) It's true, and I, emphasis mine. I told her if that we're going to cut each other off, Why not meet up one more time because all this sexual energy with each other and then cut each other off? Because five years from now, how do we want to tell our story? We had one last conversation on the phone. It was sad. Or I I can't handle that. (laughs) Five years from now, you're not going to remember this person. (laughs) So let's make it bigger and more painful. (laughs) Obviously laughing in all good faith with you. Absolutely. We met up one more time and it's, or sorry. Okay. So the options here in your head, which I love, are we had one last conversation on the phone and it was sad, or we met up one more time and it sucked afterwards, but it was a fun, wild ride. So she said, fuck it. Let's do it. I'm excited. And sadness. (laughs) So we booked a place a week later and we met up in a city halfway between us. It's interesting that she was like unwilling to do this before you decided that you were going to break up. (laughs) I know. I know. Going to call that out. Yeah. We spent the weekend as boyfriend and girlfriend. We went on adorable dates, saw a beautiful conservatory and botanical gardens, dance, cuddled, and of course, we had a ton of amazing sex. It wasn't just physical. On our last night together, we opened up to each other on a deep, deep level. We bared our souls to each other in a way you do when you've known someone for years. Even outside the intense feelings we were feeling for each other, we also just enjoyed the boring and mundane bullshit of just existing with each other, like reading while she was getting homework done or watching her get ready for the day. The morning after we left, she laid on my chest and cried, saying, I'm just so happy right now. I don't want this to end. On the sidewalk before we went back to our homes, we told each other we had no regrets. This was on Valentine's Day when we broke up and then cut each other off. The whole experience starting from our first date to our last goodbye was less than a month. It's now been a little over a month and I miss her like crazy. We haven't texted or called once. I feel stupid for failing to get over someone I knew for less than a month. I haven't texted her because we agreed to cut each other off and I want to respect the boundaries we set. She was convinced that our weekend trip was a ploy to try and convince her to try an LDR. It wasn't, but it would have been okay if that happened on accident. 
And she told me how impressed she was that I never tried to pressure her and we were able to just enjoy the weekend together. I wouldn't want to tarnish her last memory of me by violating the boundaries we set by reaching out and her rejecting me. I don't know what to do. I spent so much time trying to get over it, and it doesn't feel like it gets any better. I torture myself by reading our entire text chain over oh and God. over and looking In back there. on our photos. <laughs> yeah. Looking back on our photos from our Valentine's Day weekend. I want to get over her, but at the same time, thinking of her makes me happy because I truly believe that what we had was special. I dated my last girlfriend for eight years, and I feel like that breakup was easier to get over than this one. Mm. My question is, what do I do? Do I spend my energy trying to get over her or take a chance and reach out to her and risk feeling hurt even worse? If the answer is to get over her, how do I do that? I'm sick of crying and feeling this way. Mm. We're still in the same Among Us group, and we hear each other's voices on there about every once, about once every other week. It's awkward when we speak directly to each other, and I can tell we're walking on eggshells. My heart still drops when I hear her voice. Sorry for the super long letter. I love you, Sam. I love you, Sierra. Thank you for reading and thank you for doing this podcast. I'm a newer listener and still getting caught up on old episodes, but I'm loving it so much. I can't wait to hear all of them. If you read my letter on your podcast, I guess you can call her East Coast Girl. Oh, I ain't ain't calling her shit. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was a little bit more aggressive than I. (laughs) Very dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel defensive of you because you're obviously adorable and I love you too. Yeah, also, congratulations on having a whirlwind romance with a person with an avoidant attachment style. (laughs) Question. Um, I'm not hip, cool, or young, so please tell me what Among Us is, Sam. Um, I'm not hip enough to know what it is, but I know that it is an online game that you can play with people. Mm. I don't know Mm. what it does or like what the premise of the game is. Okay. I know that AOC plays it sometimes, and that's literally the only reason why I know it. Oh, is it the one with the little like boxy looking characters? No idea. With like goggles? I have no idea. Somebody educate me. Um, Or I could just Google it like every other entitled (laughs) white male on Twitter. We'll just um, Google it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, Anthony, my darling, um, I want to, before I, we give you any feedback or advice, I just want to like pause and talk directly to Sam. Why do we do that? <laughs> like, why do our, like, you know, the scenario that Anthony shared about like, that awkward, that sad last conversation. And we don't want it to be that. Um, like why would our, why do our hearts prefer it to be like painful, dramatic, drawn out. And, uh, I don't know. That's a phenomenon that we, I have for sure done that. Like, Oh, it'll let's make it. Let's, let's not have it end like this or, or whatever. I think it's yeah, done. Yeah, let's go out with a bang and not a whimper. Yeah, I think it's done in, in good faith or at least in an attempt to not feel discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. But then the discomfort is like 10 times worse because we had like a, we had a slice of what it could be instead of just saying this isn't working, let's end it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... I don't know if it's even like 10 times worse. I think it's just like the lie that we're telling ourselves that like, oh, this will somehow make it better. Like it'll it won't hurt yeah. if we if we do this like last hurrah and we can look backward on it or we can look back on it fondly two weeks out. Right. Like, no, like maybe in like five years, like you said, you'll look back and be like, oh, that was a great weekend. Probably you're going to be like, wow, that was a really stupid decision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like. I think that there's. 
there's something that we want. There's a lie we want to tell ourselves that like we can somehow control our heartbreak, which is like mm. not true. Like the fact that you have this connection and she's unwilling to like meet you in relationship is like that's the reality of it. It's it's heartbreaking. It's not never. It's never gonna not be heartbreaking. I think. I also you... think that like for people with anxious or for people with avoidant attachment styles. This is this is a really fun thing to be doing because like it's all the intimacy without any of the work, right? Like it's mm. all the we get to have this really great time. I get to share all of these things about myself that I don't necessarily want to share with other people. And I know it's a safe place because I'm never going to see you again. So you're never going to know all of those intimate things about me and be able to like hold me accountable to them or shame me for them, which I think a lot of avoidant people have fear of. Mm-hmm. So like it's an easy out for a person with an avoidant attachment style like as I was reading this, I was like, oh, my God, 24 year old Sam would have thought this was such a good idea and would have done all of this bullshit <laughs> like from her from the perspective of this woman that you were yeah. that you were yeah. dating. Right. Like not from your perspective, like you seem like a person who has like great ability to like meet people and connect with them. I would yeah. be like, yeah, let's hook up and then let's text every day. But I don't want to be in a relationship. But like, let's still text every day because I want to keep my options open and then. Let's have this last hurrah just, while I'll tell you yeah, like all not, of these things let's about not me. Text breakup. <laughs> let's yeah. have a breakup vacay. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And um, I'm gonna share all these intimate things about me and then leave your life forever so that you'll always think of me and miss me. I'm also curious about a trait that I know I have that I'm I'm not sure how universal this is, but there's something in me. And again, like hearkening back to the jealousy letter, like I wonder how much of this is social conditioning. How, mm-hmm. There's something in me that loves the bittersweet, like the, yeah. the, the, the drama and the pain and the, and the push and pull of that bittersweetness. I, I now know that that bittersweetness does not equal quality, right? But when I was younger, I used to think that it was Mm. passion. You know, I used to think it was like, oh, my God, unrequited. Like, this is so good. You know, like if somebody invited me, an anxiously attached person, on this little breakup vacay, I would be like, oh, my God, yes, it's so romantic and sad that we can't be together, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. star-crossed lovers. Um, we might as well have this romantic, painful weekend together. I don't know where this voice is coming from. <laughs> I love it. It's <laughs> Thank great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. But, okay, anyway, Anthony, n- you now know that... We agree with you that this was a terrible idea, but I, I don't agree. An idea like, honey, I've done, I have done work the same, if not worse, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and many mm-hmm. of them resulted into like very bad relationships <laughs> or like yes. life choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let's get to your actual question, which is like, how do you get over someone? And I also think like, Maybe there is an unspoken question of confusion in there about why this breakup of a month-long relationship hurts more than the eight-year relationship. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so we could talk about both things. Um, I'll speak quick first to the process of getting over someone. I think we are particularly hard on ourselves when, when, when we mentally want to get over someone, but are like, why, you know, I'm sick of feeling pain, but I don't know what to do. It's just like a, it's a it's a hard time for our brains and our hearts and our bodies because mm-hmm. to get over someone is a process and it is a process that happens both intentionally in the present moment and also subliminally over a long period of time. It is both mm-hmm. 
active and inactive. You can work towards it. And it also happens when we're not when we're not thinking about it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. closure and moving on um, happens in the inarticulate moments, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's not just about sitting down and like thinking yourself steps, out yeah. of it, right? Yeah, no, it's also about sort of like living your life and not thinking about it for a while and then sort of like coming back to it. And it's it's so much of a of a more nuanced process than just like, here's the list of things that you do. And like, when you get to step 10, you're going to feel great. (laughs) Great. I also think that like these types of sort of whirlwind romances are also really hard to get over because it was perfect, right? There was no, there was no moment of, oh, suddenly I realized that this person breathes weird, right? There's no Mm. moments of like, um, wow, she if, really pissed if not me perfect, off. By doing... <laughs> it was, if, if, if not perfect, sorry to interrupt you, but to say, if, it, if not perfect, it was unfulfilled. Like you always felt like you didn't get to your full potential and that uh-huh. always leaves you grasping for more. Absolutely. Yeah. You are, you are now, you're not mourning a relationship. You're mourning a potential relationship. That oh my God. seems like say it was really it again. <laughs> good, right? Like it seems like it was going to go really well. You, she was open and vulnerable with you. You like connected. Similar interests. Absolutely. This sort of this, this really intense connection that you had. And now you're mourning, you're not mourning eight years of sort of the doldrums of living life together. Right. <laughs> and Love you that are word, like the doldrums. You, you are mourning a month of ignited or unignited potential, right? There you go. Like you are, you are just mourning. You're mourning something that didn't exist, and that's yeah. really hard because you don't get to see the facets of it that were un, unfulfilling or the facets of it that were like bad for you. You're just seeing like, oh, this could have been so perfect. Facts. Um, it it super sucks. Um. And also there's no potential there, right? Like, and that's where we really need to like get ourselves to is that like there was no potential because nothing came of this relationship. She could not have been a different person who suddenly wanted to be in a long distance relationship. You could not have suddenly been a person who was okay with just being friends with benefits. Like Mm. there was no potential there and that's why it fizzled out. Like you might think that there's like all of this firewood that's like ready to ignite here, but that's not it. Right. Like there's no firewood. The fact that mm-hmm. it didn't ignite means be- is because there was no firewood. There. There's only bricks. <laughs> That's right. It's bricks. only bricks. <laughs> and it's really easy to. Feel like there's that emotional connection there when there's also safety in the fact that you don't have to commit to anything. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like saying as a person who had to like learn that lesson hard in my sort of avoidant years, because it was like I thought I was so good at intimacy because I was having these intimate moments with folks who I knew were never going to be available to me. Mm. Um, right. And like, that was the reality is like, I was Dang. like, I'm so good at this. And like, people are just aren't meeting me where I'm at. And it was like, no, no, no. I am like, yeah. I'm being intimate without any risk. Um, and that On your is own terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely in total control of what's happening. Um, and I had to remind myself that that's not true intimacy. That's not an actual relationship. That's not how you build the foundation for things to grow. I want to point out too, Anthony, that you did. That may have been a terrible plan <laughs> that you executed <laughs> at the end there. But I want to point out your humanity. I mean, everybody has humanity. People with avoidant attachment styles have avo- a humanity. I don't mean to make that comparison. 
<laughs> but I want to point out the acts of intimacy or vulnerability that you were doing in that terrible plan. First of all, the the second paragraph in your letter where you talk about um, how you were basically like, I I set up the boundary that I didn't want these, you know, sex. I didn't want the occasional. I didn't want to be friends with benefits. I lay down the things and then you felt some sort of hesitation. So you you leaned in, you tried to go for more intimacy. You thought that this would be something that would either subconsciously bring you closer together or would or would honor the two of you better. You see mm-hmm. now that that wasn't the best way to honor yourself. I, I point this out to to use it as an example for all of us that sometimes honoring our true boundaries or our true desires um, doesn't look like doing the 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 more pleasant, the more generous thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. honoring, you know, it's, it's a muscle that you strengthen to learn how to honor those true authentic boundaries and desires. Sometimes it just means saying like, nope, I got to step away from this. I can't talk to you anymore. And sitting with that discomfort, you mm-hmm. almost did that. And then you did a very human thing, which is reached out, reached out for that connection, reached out for that intimacy. Um, mm-hmm. And let me tell you how many times in my life my intimacy reach out has failed me <laughs> or got me into scenarios that I like didn't want to be in or hurt, that uh-huh. hurt me, you know, in the long term. Yeah, no, I think that that's real. And I want to give you props for knowing what you want and, and not settling for something that you didn't want. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of this could have easily been a multi-year situationship oh God, that you avoided by saying like, I want a relationship with you. I'm not interested in being friends with benefits. It seems like the same amount of work without the reward, which like, yes, I really appreciate you Let's pointing that, that out. Because, t-shirt. <laughs> seriously. Um, <clears throat> and I think that that's awesome. And I, I want, you know, in your letter, you talked about how you don't want to, you want to respect the boundary and not text her because you don't want to feel like you're tricking her into having a long distance relationship with you. And I want to flip that script a little bit and empower you and say, you don't want to text her because you don't want her to trick you into having a friends with benefits situation that you said you didn't want. Yeah. Right. Like you are you are empowered here. You are making a decision that is good for you that and you are not so much of the narrative that we have is that like the people who want a relationship are so disempowered. They have no uh, like autonomy in any relationship. Like it's always like the. They're always the victim of the person who terms. doesn't want, mm-hmm. yeah, that doesn't doesn't want to to be in relationship. And it's like, no, you have the power to ask for what you want, and like you are you are a hot commodity. Like, oh, don't. <laughs> this person doesn't deserve you if they're not willing to meet you where your needs and expectations are. Yeah, and and I want to flip that because like just because you want a relationship with someone doesn't mean that you don't have any power in the relationship. Because you also bring things of value into that relationship that you can withhold, that you can say like, nope, you need to meet me where I want to be in this relationship. You need to fully commit to me or I'm going to I'm going to hang out with my awesomeness myself or like share it with other people who are willing to meet me where I need to be met. So like totally. I I'm glad you're not texting her, but I I want to help you sort of reframe that and say like. She is, there is no potential here. She yeah, is I'm not, not interested her in having that. I do not want the type of relationship she wants with me. Absolutely. And I, and I deserve to have a committed relationship with someone who wants to show up fully for me. And I'm going to find that somewhere else 
with yeah. this person and not with this person who's literally told me they're incapable and uninterested in all of the awesome things that I know are awesome. Like, shame on them. Like, they're lost. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So in the process of moving on, in the process of, you know, processing this heartbreak, I would really encourage you to focus on uplifting your happiness and your needs. Like literally when mm-hmm. I'm in depressive periods or when I'm struggling, I ask myself in the morning, what's one thing that I can do that would make me happy today? And sometimes that looks like getting a coffee. Sometimes that looks like gardening. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that looks like watching Netflix. Sometimes that looks like having a therapy appointment, right? Like, but what is one thing that is going to contribute to your happiness in that day? And how can you prioritize that prioritize mm-hmm. your happiness above all else, right? Right, right. Another thing you can do is um, something like, can you make a plan for the future? Can you have something that is in the foreground of your mind that you can be excited for? I think so often our pain roots us down. You know, it, it drags us down into this moment and feels like we can't escape it. So mm-hmm. I always try to have something on my horizon that I'm looking forward to. Um, and finally, I have no, like i said at the beginning of this letter, I have no idea what Among Us is and, and what the dynamic of it is. But I would, I just want to explicitly give you permission that you don't have to play, you don't have to hear her voice every week, mm-hmm. that that is obviously something that is not prioritizing your happiness, that's not making mm-hmm. you feel good. So you have to weigh the pros and cons of why am I putting myself through this every week? In my new mm-hmm. notes, I also wrote like eggshells are awkward, like just to like normalize the fact that like you're feeling this pain all the time. It feels awkward because it is right. But awkward mm-hmm. is only as powerful as the power that you give it. You could also just say, right. this is just a voice. This is just a voice. I'm not going to picture her. I'm not like making her feel awkward because I'm not going to feel awkward. Also, you could just not play with her. I don't know the dynamics of that, and I don't know how realistic that is, but, like, it's obviously (laughs) bringing you pain. So in the question, how am I prioritizing my happiness? Where does playing with her, hearing her voice every week, fall Mm -hmm. when in the context of prioritizing your happiness? Yeah. No, I think that those are all really good things to think about. Um, I also would just add, I want you to, I want you to let go of the timeline that you have in your head of how yes. long this should take you doesn't to get matter. over. It doesn't. And I know that you tried to make this thing happen so that it would, it would hurt less when you, you know, broke up or when you decided to stop contacting each other. Um, but the reality is, is that there's no timeline for us to get over these things. Um, it, we, you never know. It could exactly what you said. Like it could take you a short time to get over a long-term relationship and months and months to get over something that only happened for a month. Um, but holding yourself to some timeline that isn't isn't going to work for you isn't mm-hmm. also going to help you. And remember that you said, even in your letter, that you wanted to look back in five years on this thing and sort of remember how great it was to have that wild weekend. You're only a month out at this point. So, like, don't mm. hold yourself accountable to mm. look back on it fondly when you're so when the pain is still so present and real. Yes. Like, that's not an expectation that you should have of yourself. Um, and I want to I want you to release yourself from thinking I've got to get over this fast. I've got to get over this fast because this hurt. This was a really big loss that you had and and the potential real or not that you lost in this Um is something that is going to take you a while to get over. And that's okay. Yes, absolutely. All right, Anthony, we love you so much. Thank you so much for listening and for writing. Absolutely. Thank you.
All right, everyone, that brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we really want to send you home with something that we really like. This week, our blind date is... You're going to hate this, but I literally have... This is my most authentic blind date to date. (laughs) Um, uh, Y'all know I had a hard month, um, but I recently was introduced to a activity game by my mother. It's called Pickleball. (laughs) I love Pickleball. What? Shut the fuck up! (laughs) I, I love it. It's so shut, much fun. <laughs> how did you start playing? How do I not know? How did you hide this part of yourself from me? Um, I played it. I've only played it twice in my life. Um, that's not true. We played it. We did it in elementary school, which is super funny. But then a year, two years ago, before the pandemic, um, the the CEO of the organization I was working for took us to his country club and oh we God. played pickleball together. Oh and I was like, this game is the most fun game. This it is like, is it's the great equalizer. It yes. is like impossible to, impossible to be good at it. So like everyone's just like struggling all at the same time. I loved it. It is. Okay. So pickleball is like a version, a mutated version of uh, tennis, table tennis, or like ping pong um, and mm-hmm. racquetball. It's outdoors. It's played on a smaller version of a tennis court um, with like a wiffle ball and like funny little... Um, Pickleball wooden mallets or like technically the the wooden ones are not as good as the other types. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I um, so I was I wasn't on bed rest, but I wasn't allowed to like work out or do any lift anything over 10 pounds for the six weeks during my ectopic recovery. And so I have I haven't like done any like laborious physical activities or anything. And um when the six weeks were up, I started, my mother introduced me to pickleball. She's really into it. It's also like very popular in like 55 and up communities. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's but definitely it's like getting, a retirees game. <laughs> yes, but it's getting, it's so fun that like all of the grandparents and parents are like getting their younger um, folks onto it. And I am obsessed. Like we discovered it and I immediately went out and bought paddles. We've been playing it like multiple times a week. And why I love it is a couple of reasons. One, I don't have a lot of things in my life that are, um, like physically good for me that are an activity. It's always like, oh my God, I got to go lift weights or run. You know, mm-hmm. it's all about, you know, like doing exercise for the sake of doing it, which is good, whatever. But it's just so fun and entertaining. It's it's not like I can go shoot hoops with my friends. I, I'm terrible at basketball. So I don't have a physical activity that's good for me, but also like stimulating mentally fun, you know? The mm-hmm. other reason why I love it is Sam called it the great equalizer because everybody sucks. I love it because I have met so many different types of people playing it, obviously outdoors safely. Um, but that the people I have seen playing it, they're all different um, ages, all different types of body parts, body parts. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all different types of body parts, um, all different types of um, what's the word I'm looking for? A body types. Yeah, body types, sure. Um, all different types of body types and abilities. So um, it just, it feels like a fun thing to do outdoors. Um, that's like silly and it makes me feel like a kid again. I just truly, I like last week or last time I did a blind date, what did I do? Something stupid like breathing. <laughs> Planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Making plans. Oh, yeah, making plans. <laughs> this is just generally, genuinely the thing that has been bringing me so much joy. Um, so check it out. You can like watch a game online. Um, there's probably pickleball popping up in your area because it's like, quote, the, the fastest up and coming racquetball game or something. I don't know. There's literally a pickleball place that opened 
like a mile from my it's, house and I was it like, is, ah! <laughs> it's really entertaining and it's a good workout, but it's also like, it's just an accessible game. That's what I really love about it. So For sure. check it out. It's called pickleball. <laughs> yes. Love it. I'm, I cannot wait to play with you one day. I can't wait. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to hit that follow button so that you can get an episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, You'll get an additional bonus weekly episode that's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording, editing, producing, but all magical things by our great friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. And remember, you are powerful. There is no other way to say it, no matter how many ways you try to deny yourself. You are resilient. Look at all you have endured. Look at how you have thrived despite struggling. Give yourself the credit you deserve. It has been too long of you denying your own strengths. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>